Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, on a lovely Wednesday evening here at 10.30 Central Time. It is great to be back on the podcast of the Bama Factor this week with Alex Taylor and Cody Saxon, along with my co-host, Cody Saxon. I am your host, Alex Taylor. Cody, how are you doing? Phenomenal. How are you, buddy? I am absolutely wonderful. And before we get the show started, my best friend in the world and my co-host Cody Saxon has something to say for every single one of you out there that will listen to this Cody take it away coming off of a fresh W tonight I would like to say without further ado introducing your new 2022 and 23 regular season champions of the SEC the Alabama Crimson Tide. Indeed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your Crimson Tide have accomplished it. 2022-23 regular season SEC champs. And um, as we'll touch on later, need I mention, state champs. Yeah, buddy. So I might ask that. And uh, Cody, I just got a question for you. Do you have a broom, you know, <laughs> By any chance, because I mean, I, I, I like I think that's what you use when you get sweet or when you need to sweep. Yep. So, just saying. But anyway, we're gonna dive right in. Um, got a lot of action-packed uh, stuff for you uh, this podcast. Before we get into anything basketball, uh, want to say two quick things football related. Um, if you are not tuned in tomorrow through Sunday, uh, the NFL Combine will be taking place in Indy. Uh, Alabama has 13 guys participating in the Combine. Um, and uh, tomorrow, I believe, is defensive linemen and linebackers. So we will have, um, I, I believe, Henry Toa Toa, Byron Young, DJ Dale participating tomorrow. Uh, but several guys participating as of the likes of Will Anderson, Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, Jordan Battle, Helms, Eli Ricks, several other guys. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. NFL Network tomorrow, March the 2nd through Sunday, March the 5th, the combine will be taking place. And also uh, in other news, uh, Alabama has hired Charlie Strong, the former Texas head coach and Louisville head coach, as a defensive analyst as we know charlie strong is a good defensive coordinator maybe could potentially be Steele's replacement when still decides to hang it up so i think great hire and my personal favorite news i've heard all week the legend eli gold will be returning to the radio booth this fall 2023 for the first game in Tuscaloosa, so we are glad to have Eli Gold back for sure. Cody, your thoughts on any of those things I just said? Yeah, dude, everything's looking our way. I think all of these moves are really good moves in a positive direction. And just to touch on that, Eli Gold, man, anybody that knows Alabama sports knows that voice, that iconic, that will that will make a moment even greater. So glad to have him back too. Um, excited to hear his voice. Um, I love watching the highlights with the voiceovers of him when from the live calls of the game. Amazing. So, yeah, 100% happy with all of it, man. And Indeed. So, and ladies and gentlemen, we are also three weeks, just three weeks away from spring practice. Cody and I will be bringing you everything on the podcast, Spring Practice Central, right here on the Bama Factor. But we're going to get in to a little bit of hoops, and we're going to talk about these two wins over the two 
A teams, uh, Arkansas and Auburn. So we're going to go on segment one and talk about the gutsy win over Arkansas this past Saturday. Alabama was able to come away with the victory, eighty-six to eighty-three. Uh, they improved to twenty-five and four, fifteen and one in the SEC. So by just saying that, I'm going to pass it over to our stats guy that everybody loves, Mr. Cody Saxon. Cody, take it away with the stats from Alabama, Arkansas. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. So I'll quick. Uh, quick touch on some team stats real quick. Um, Alabama brought us a 45% field goal percentage. Um, pretty pretty efficient uh, as a team. Now, always, like I always say, always room for improvement, but uh, nothing too shabby. Um, now, three-point percentage was uh, pretty rough in that game against Arkansas. Uh, only 13.6%. Only made three of the 22 attempted three-pointers in that game. Um, free throw percentage, always uh, – Astounding to see how efficient Alabama's uh, basketball team has been this season from three point or I'm sorry free throws, um, really good team rebounds. Uh, another game high 40s, so good good team rebounding. Assists uh, led led uh, over Arkansas and assists 13 total team assists. Not that high for what we've seen as far as team involvement, but when I break it down into some of our uh, team stat or our individual stats, you will kind of see two guys that really did pull away. Um, a little bit with our scoring one man that we have talked about much. But anyway, just to wrap up some team stuff, um, turnovers, we were a little high on the turnover department. We did have 17 total team turnovers. Um, fouls were about even for teams. Um, but overall, like like we said, got the win. Um, and in the end, that is what matters the most. But now to break it down a little bit into some individuals, who would have thought we'd mention the name Brandon Miller once again? 24 points. Um, over 50% in his field goal percentage. Uh, pretty good game for him. Rebounding at six. Uh, Clowney with a double-double with 10 points and 13 rebounds. Um, Sears with another another player with 13 points. Uh, and, of course, Quinterly, uh, a name we're going to talk about a good bit on this episode. Uh, definitely coming off the bench with some impact with the 16 points. Um, like I said, coming off the bench. He ended up getting uh, more total minutes than some of the starters, but We've seen that a lot, and I think this is just a testament to seeing, you know, the the depth we have coming off the bench in this team, how different guys are getting a, uh, you know, between Pringle, Griffin, Quinterly, they're getting their impact in on the on the court in the time that they do have. So, yeah, that's some individual stats for you. I'm going to pass it back over to you. We can get into some of the more specifics from the game. Indeed. Thank you for those stats. As always, Cody, we appreciate you every week that you did stats, so definitely – always giving us good insight for that. So, yeah, just jumping into this, you know, as you said, Cody, just just there were some things that really stood out. You know, out rebounded them by 11, and, you know, offensive side definitely got 14. That was key. The assist, like you said, not accustomed to what we're seeing, but still 13 to 6. I mean, that's just saying distributing the ball very well. Um, but, yeah, going back to the individual, yeah, Clowney definitely was some good play in time, you know, 10 points, 13 rebounds. Brandon Miller struggling from three a bit, you know, one for six. That's not what we're used to seeing him shooting. You know, he's shooting 42% from three, um, but still 24 points come away with it. Um, you know, Sears uh, 0 for 4 from three, but still finding a way to get it done from the free throw line as well. But, yeah, Javon Quinterly, uh, 28 minutes, 50% from the field. Again, only one of four from three, but seven assists. So, literally had over half of our assists. And, and uh, you know, 16 points, big points, big assists. Stayed out of foul trouble. Uh, 
I mean, I think that's something that you can definitely look at. But um, Alabama was down by 11 halftime. Then they go up, I believe, by nine, I believe. And just the way they were able to come back second half. And I think when it came down to it, uh, from one stat you said, really, free throws were king in this game. I mean, 25 of 30, 83%. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot, of how many games that we saw in high school, college, or professional have come down to free throws and how just important free throws are. Yeah, dude. They can make or break a game, uh, make or break a season. Uh, when it comes down to it, and they don't they don't all seem like high-intensity clutch moment shots, but in the end, they do add up, and we have seen that over and over this season, especially with this this year's Crimson Tide, that they do add up in the end and do make a big difference when it goes to that final scoreboard. Definitely, and, you know, I definitely think it's like South Carolina and Arkansas really our last three games, and honestly, if you can – if you include tonight's Auburn game, I think our last four games have really shown that free throws are important, and we shot the ball very well from the free throw line these last four games. So definitely that's something that you really do want to see from a team, especially going into the postseason, the SEC tournament, and definitely the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, but let's talk a little bit about Javon Quinley. As you said earlier, we're going to talk about him even more, especially from tonight's game. Let's touch on him just a tad here. Um, it seems like these past four or five games, Quinley has really taken the constructive criticism of Oates and, has taken it to where Oates was saying, you know, he's turning the ball over, you know, he's kind of playing lazy, uh, he's playing uninspired. And I think he took that personal. And I think, you know, he was getting back to what his elite style of play. And, um, I mean, we've seen him contribute off of the bench. You know, he's taking care of the ball now these last four or five games. He's really taking care of the ball. Uh, he's scoring again at will. Uh, he's got that quick first step again. And, um, Cody, I'm just going to ask you, do you think um, this is good timing right before the SEC and the NCAA tournament that Quinley's getting – that he's getting back to that type of Javon Quinley we saw in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament two years ago when Alabama won the SEC tournament and went to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, dude, I think it. I think it's really – I think it's good timing not only uh, for him on a personal level to see him getting back to that elite level we've seen him play at, but I do think that – with this this timing leading up to you know this this final stretch the SEC and NCAA tournament coming up, I think having him playing at a high level not only uh, I mean is good for the team obviously when it comes down to points, assists, rebounds, and whatnot, but having another option to you know feed the ball through his hands in order to get production on uh, you know when they're attacking, I think that uh, this there is no downside to him playing at a high level. And like I said, with the, the way the bench has been playing. Uh, Playing, bringing the intensity, whether they're getting you know five minutes or they're getting thirty minutes, uh, their ability to bring the production uh, in in crunch time, I think, is really important. I think him uh, being that leader, kind of off the bench a little bit these, these last few games. Uh, but I mean, we've talked about Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller. We you've heard us talk about Clowney and Sears and 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 everybody else. But in all reality, having that extra powerful guard to feed the ball through his hands in order to get, like I said, in order to get that high efficiency production uh, is going to help because I expect everybody to play lockdown on Brandon Miller from here on out. Uh, And there are some defensive menaces that we're going to come up against uh, in the tournament. Um, And I think having multiple offensive weapons um, 
is, is going to be crucial. So having him playing at this high level, I think, is a really, really good thing for our team. I definitely agree with you on that because, again, you know, just like you said, you know, guys are going to key in on one guy. You, you know, every team that we're going to face the XC tournament, every team that we're going to face in the NCAA tournament is going in every film session, every practice, they're going to have somebody emulate the role of Brandon Miller. And they're going to have somebody say, where is 24? Where's 24? If we can take 24 out of the game, we got a chance here. So I think Quinterly getting – back to his elite level of play that he was at two years ago and then even last year prior to his injury. And I think, you know, Sears getting his confidence, Griffin staying the way he is, Burnett getting fully healthy again, Clowney um, obviously contributing, and, you know, uh, several other guys like Pringle stepping up. I definitely think that you can have guys who can take the pressure off of Miller. And if you can force teams to – if you play off of Brandon Miller, he can beat you from the three. He can blow by you. He can attack the rim. So he's just a dual threat. And, I mean, it's kind of like KD. I mean, you know, as the comparison was a few weeks ago, you can slow down KD, but you can't really fully stop the guy. I mean, you can slow down LeBron James, but you can't stop him. I mean, you can slow down Steph Curry. You can't stop him. I mean, Again, it's just, you know, all three of those guys have just said, have they had their bad games yet? Have they had nights where they only scored 10 to 12 points and they didn't shoot the ball well or turn the ball over? Sure they have. Every good player has. Every great player has. But they also have had more of those nights of where they score the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and they're very efficient from that because that's what great players do. But definitely I think getting Quinley back to that with his quick step, the, the ability to shoot, you know, from three, I definitely think that is key going into the XC tournament in the postseason. And I think he might be working his way back into the starting lineup potentially. Uh, I can definitely see Oates kind of making that switch for him and Jaden Bradley. But just depends um, on, you know, what we're going to see. Uh, but definitely I think the number one key in the postseason going into next Friday for sure. And then further on is definitely just consistency. We've got to stay consistent. And – I mean, I feel like we have been that for the majority of the season. I feel like at times our consistency starts to just wing just a tad. But I think that's what the regular season's for. Your regular season is time to get stuff figured out. So in the postseason, you don't have to get it figured out then. So I think just consistency is going to be our is is going to be the main key in the postseason. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the last thing we're going to talk about in this first segment, um, someone I just kind of realized, you know, Alabama started the season. You know, the first thirteen games they had a they were actually in the minus column in turnover margin. And, um, you know, I think they had like a minus 13 or like a minus 12. And then, you know, I think the next like 12 or uh, so games, you know, they were actually plus. Uh, I think they were like plus five or plus six. But it seems like these last couple games ever since Tennessee, since like Alabama's had a really hard time taking care of the ball. And, you know, like I said, Arkansas, you know, they had 17 turnovers. You know, I think against Arkansas, you know, we had 16 or – even more, um, like, I think against, uh, you know, South Carolina, we had some more. I mean, just uh, – and, I mean, even against Georgia, you know, I think we had 12 or 13. So, I mean, they're not huge numbers, but uh, do you think turnovers are becoming a problem again or you just think, you know, this is just, you know, end of the season, we're getting to the finish line, maybe we need a little bit of a break before the SEC tournament, which we will get. Um and do you just think that, you know, teams are just playing up to our level of play, or do you think it's actually a problem for Alabama? Well, I think, I think, you know, honestly, if you look at high-efficiency players, uh, and I say efficiency, that that's such a 
broad term, but if you think about it, some of the most high fish, you know, the highly of fish people we think of as scoring legends that have gone down in the history of college basketball, professional basketball, they had a lot of turnovers. I mean, if you look at somebody like Russell Westbrook, even in his seasons where he was, you know, setting triple-double records, he was having a decent amount of turnovers. You look back at Kobe, one of the scoring greats of our time, he had a decent amount of turnovers. So having said all that, I think when you have as many people on the court that we have playing at a high level, uh, tr- trying to be uh, aggressive and consistent throughout the game, I think there's uh, an, e- an inevitability of, of turnovers. Now, having said that, uh, you can see a pretty pretty evident correlation between when we have more turnovers and how close the final score is. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a problem. I think it is just a one of those things that as they're fine-tuning and refining their uh, – the the small details of their play. I think that as they move forward, it is going to be crucial for them to dive in and be efficient with passing, be efficient with, you know, just, just general ball control um, and just playing smart with it. I think moving forward uh, to, to maximize our efficiency and, and able to make the most out of every uh, possession, they have to hold on to the ball. And if you just think about it in the sense, I mean, I know it's just simple to break it down as this, but, if you think about it in the sense, if the ball's in our, you know, literally in our court, you know, right, if we have possession of the ball and we have the opportunity to score, then that is one more opportunity that we have to score than them. So in order to, to keep the ball out of their hands and in ours when it is, you know, when the rock is in, you know, in our court. So I think that I just overall, uh, I don't think it's a team issue. I don't think it's an individual issue. I do think it is something that just happens, but it is something that has to be kind of refined and weeded out especially moving forward into the two, into the tournaments, you know. I agree completely. I mean, like, that's definitely something that, you know, you can't do in the tournament. You know, ball security is very, very key in the tournament. And, you know, you usually see, especially during NCAA tournament, you definitely see the team that wins the turnover battle. Um, for sure, in the game, usually wins. I mean, it's very rare that you see a team commit so many turnovers and still are able to pull off a win. But, you know, it seems like Alabama's been able to do that this year. You know, they have more total turnovers against Arkansas in one. Um, you know, going to tonight, we had less turnovers, so obviously we did win. But, I mean, I think at South Carolina we had more, you know, against a couple other teams we had, you know, some more and still were able to pull off a win. So, yeah, it says a lot about the team. But at the end of the day, you know, we can turn the ball over. But if we get the win, again, like you said at the beginning, that's all that matters. Yeah. So, all right, so that ends our first segment against Arkansas. So now let's get into our favorite favorite segment tonight. Let's recap tonight's big win over Auburn. And I'm so excited about this, so I'm just going to go ahead and just pass it to my co-host Cody Saxon for the stats because I can't wait to hear these stats. So, Cody, take it away on these stats. Absolutely, buddy. So, um, whew, what a game. Um the production, uh, the point production on our team was insane. Now, we usually talk about a couple of names that usually stick out a little bit, usually Quinterly coming off the bench, usually Brandon Miller in the starting lineup. That's something that's become a pattern. But let me tell you, if we didn't have Clowney, Miller, and Sears all score 17 points tonight, just well-rounded production from the entire offensive uh, the offensive lineup or the starting lineup offensively, just really impressed with that. Um and then Quinterly coming off, we we can't talk about this man enough. Twenty four points, um, just absolutely efficient on on those players' parts. Now they're getting down to some team stats. 
Um, overtime, clutch, whatever you need to say to describe this game. So Alabama, um, almost the exact same uh, percentage as the last game, uh, 43.9%. Uh, field goal percentage with 29 of 66 field goals. Um, three point, slightly more efficient in this game, still kind of on the low end, eight out of 31. Like I said, not really up to par with our three points. Um, but once again, free throw or three free throw percentage was not terrible 77.4%, 24 31. Um, rebounds pretty even across both teams. Both of them, uh, Alabama had 38, Auburn had 39 team rebounds. Uh, assists, 16 for Alabama, 13 for Auburn. Steals, we did have the turnover margin in this one. Um, just, no, yeah, just by a smidge. Um, so we had 10 steals and then uh, five blocks, definitely big, big moments uh, in those blocks. Uh, Auburn wasn't able to pack any of ours, but we did get five blocks. Um, team fouls, 20. Um, now, both teams did get a technical. Alex might touch on that here in a little bit. Now, the largest lead that Auburn had was 17 points. So coming down, coming back from 17 down, um, of course, to win by five in overtime, as we said. Uh, Alabama really came in there at the end and played with heart and uh, pulled it out. And the old, as Alex says, the old Cal College went home real disappointed because they found out what it's like to play a real team with real heart, real passion, and a real drive and aggression to win a game. So 90 to 85, the final score. And Alex, I will pass it to you and let's talk about it. All right. Thanks so much, buddy, for the stats yet again. And the first thing I can say to all you young folks is uh, have fun in the NIT and uh, you can use that toilet paper for your tears. Um, so again, like Cody said, coming down, Alabama comes down from 17 down. And I'm not going to lie, Cody. I, I, I was watching the game and when we went down 17, and we call a timeout. I'm sitting there on my couch, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, why are we not playing well? Like, why is Auburn hitting literally everything when they averaged eight three-pointers a game this year, and the most they hit this year was 11? And, you know, they were hitting everything. And I was just thinking, you got to be kidding me. But then I, I almost told myself, I'm going to turn it off. I don't want to watch that so this game's over. There's 10.43 left. We're down by 17. I said, I don't even want to know. So – I went in the other room and I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to go turn it back on. I'm going to watch it. I said, I'm going to support this team. Good times in the battle. Support them all year long. That's the type of fan I am. I know the type of fan you are. And then it seems like a switch just flipped. And 16-0 run and we cut it to one with 521 to go. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then just – Again, in the end, in overtime, just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And, again, free throws, again, king in this game, especially down the stretch. Brandon Miller hitting two clutch ones. Jaden Bradley hitting three out of four. Very, very, very clutch. Um, Alabama, with the win, improved to 26-4 and four on the year. 16-1 in the SEC with one SEC game remaining. But that comeback was just insane. I mean, I, I think it's the best comeback in college this year. That – I've seen um, for sure because um, just watching that team with how young we are come back like that. But as Cody said about the personal fouls, there was one technical foul piece, and I would like to address on it. Cody, did you see anything regarding the technical foul, or is this the first you're going to hear about it? 
Yeah, no, I didn't actually catch any of it in action. I was just reviewing some of our stats before we got on here uh, as, as I was available. I was trained tonight, so I didn't actually catch it. So, yeah, fill me in. Okay, so um, pretty crucial point in the game here. Um, all right, Cody, so let me just ask you this question. You know, you watched enough college. You've watched enough NBA. You and I have watched it together. So we know what happens when this happens. All right, so every now and then throughout the game, there are – Every team has a certain amount of timeouts, but also there are usually media timeouts as well. And so they go to commercial break and, you know, you hear the, and you know, you usually hear the horn go off and it's usually when the ball goes out of bounds or there's a personal foul or anything like that. And, you know, it's usually just a TV timeout. It's a TV timeout. It's usually 60 seconds long and, you know, they go to the sideline and it acts like a real timeout, but either team is not charged for one because it's just a TV timeout. So, what's the first thing you see players do when there is a TV timeout? I mean, typically they roll back to their bench and huddle up, right? Exactly. But what do the guys on the bench do? They get off the bench and they usually go onto the court to yeah. high five their teammates coming off, right? When they huddle up, I mean, it's usually they usually swap out seats. You'll usually have the starters sitting down and coaches and players and uh, water boys and towel boys all over the joint. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, but like usually the guys on the bench get up and they go onto the court to high five the guys who are coming off and they're standing around. So, right. Javon Quinterly was uh, being posted up by, um, I think, Broom for um, Auburn. And Broom already had four fouls, and he's one of the larger guys that Auburn has in the post. And Quinterly jumps the pass into the paint and goes up in the air and steals it. Well, Broom comes down grabbing Quinterly, and Quinterly slings him out of bounds because Broom again had him. So Quinterly, being smart, throws the ball off of the hip of Broom, so it's out of bounds on him. Well, Broom is holding Quinterly's arm while he's up, and Quinterly yanks his arm out of Broom. So that was Broom's fifth foul as well because they caught a foul on Broom. Well, Broom said something to Quinterly, and Quinterly kept walking, and Sears came up to Quinterly, Gave him a chest pump and just said, and you know, kind of flexed and everything because it was a pretty intense play. Well, Wendell Green Jr., who is the scum of America um, for Auburn, their little prissy point guard who thinks he's Kobe Bryant, who will be playing in China this time next year, if that, um, either that or working as a greeter at freaking Costco. Um, but he comes up to Quinterly and says something to him, and he grabs Quinterly's arms and is holding them down. And Quinterly shucks off Wendell Green. And then KD Johnson, who is even more scum of the earth, um, who I would just like to say went 0 of 16 in the SEC tournament last year. <laughs> you suck. Um, but he came up and started doing the same thing to Quinterly. So Quinterly gets both of them off of them. Well, there was a TV timeout at that point. They called a TV timeout when all this was going on. So Bama's players had a right to come onto the court. They ejected Betty Ako and Rylan Griffin for crossing half court. They didn't even do – they didn't get in any altercation. They were trying to come down there and get Sears and Quinterly back to the sideline. They didn't touch an Auburn player. They didn't say anything. They didn't touch an official. They didn't say anything to the official. But they ejected Betty Ako and Griffin for crossing half court. Explain to me that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I Like I said, I didn't see it, but judging by what you're saying, man, I don't even know. 
I mean, but so in the end, it was a foul on Broom. Quinterly got hit with a technical. Bediaco and Griffin were both ejected for crossing half court. And Auburn also got hit with a technical. Wendell Green Jr. also uh, got hit with one as well, uh, resulting in two free throws for Alabama, two free throws for Auburn. And then the ball was originally going back to Alabama anyway. Uh, so Alabama got the ball back. But definitely a turning point in that game because I think that really is what fueled – because Alabama was down – 16 at that point, and that's what drove that's what drove the run, I think. Um, really, really drove it. I mean, it was very interesting. I've never seen that. And I mean, I guess half court is kind of that line that, like, you can't cross. Like, if you're on the – like, I guess if you're on the sidelines, you can't cross that. And, and, and I mean, I guess that is. But to eject somebody, like, I, I think that's a little extreme. Like – if they didn't touch anybody, they didn't throw a punch, they didn't they didn't talk back to an official, they didn't touch the official, they didn't say anything to the opposing team, but they just crossed half court because they were on the bench. But yet it was a TV timeout. So they're allowed to be on the court at that time. It's not in the game. So what's the – it's not like the game was still going on and there wasn't a TV timeout and an altercation broke out and those two crossed half court to try to come down there. That I could kind of see justifying that maybe – but it was a TV timeout. The game wasn't even going on. And, I mean, and I mean, Cody, totally, I think I know you well enough in the 18 years that we have been friends. If someone, if two guys like that in a game or just in general were to come up, force my arms down, holding them down and up and, and then they were all up in my chest and everything. Uh, if you were sitting on the sideline or you were further away, would you come and defend me? A hundred percent. I mean, you see it all the time. We, uh, we've been there. Uh, we've literally been there. So it, oh, we have, <laughs> no, that's a foul. <laughs> yeah. We've been there for sure. And I think that it's like, it's just, it's re it's reflex when it comes down to your own team. But even so judging by the, the links that things went, I don't know if all those technicals and especially the ejections, I don't know if that was all uh, met with the same, you know, if it matched the energy that was being put out. I definitely don't know. But it took the refs 10 minutes to figure it out. And I was like, okay, again, officiating this year is just not up to par. Like, this is not even anything to figure out. It should have been a technical on Quinterly because he did he did slap at Wendell Green. I agree. But Wendell Green and Katie Johnson should have been hit with one. Now, Green was. But in the end, Alabama got the win. That really sparked him. Um so, and speaking of Quinley, MVP, 24 points tonight, six assists, no turnovers tonight. Sparked that team, put it on his back. He's been in March before, two years ago, SEC tournament MVP, averaging 20 a game. NCAA tournament was averaging 20 a game. He's played in March. He's seasoned. He is a seasoned veteran. Um, he is just uh, absolute. like, he, he knows – he knows um, the implications of what March is. And I'm telling you, he he showed it today. I mean, hey, it's March the 1st, man. The madness has begun, and he knows what month it is. Cra- hey, crazy things happen when it becomes March. Yeah, buddy. So, again, something I'm going to go over just real quick, hit this as we round up this segment, too. 
perfect 15 and 0 home record this year to go along with clinching the regular season SEC title, the Crimson Tide. This is their second regular season SEC title in the last three years. Um, they clinched it at home over LSU two years ago. Um, very fitting, uh, very fitting to clinch it at home again. Cut down the nets and Coleman, your last song in the season. So I'm going to go over Alabama's home wins, just the scores of who they played against this year and the final scores. So the first game of the season, they beat Longwood 75 to 54. Then they beat Liberty 95 to 59. Mine and Cody's college alma mater, Jacksonville State, 104 to 62. South Dakota State, 78 to 65. Memphis, 91 88. Jackson State, 84 64. Now getting into the SEC play. Ole Miss, 84-62. Kentucky, 78-52. Resounding win. One of the more impressive wins, LSU, 106-66. Mississippi State, 66-63. Close call. Vanderbilt, their largest win of the year, 101-44. Florida, 97-69. Georgia, another large win, 108-59. Arkansas, 86-83. And last, but most certainly not least, Auburn tonight, 90 to 85 so all 15 wins Alabama their their lowest scoring game was Longwood 78 points or I'm sorry 75 points like the first game of the season like incredible I mean you see 95 104 91 106 101 108 90 97 to, uh, insane offense this year. I mean, insane offense. Just yep. Uh, Cody, how impressive do you think it is to go fifteen and zero at home? Like you're supposed to win at home, but like not every team does. But how hard and how important do you think it is to go undefeated at home in a season, especially when you're in the SEC? I mean, of of all sports, man, I think basketball is one of those things that. You know, anything can happen any day, and any team can perform well today. Sometimes, sometimes the shots are just falling. But I think to consistently play this efficiently at home and to be able to win with the margins that we've been able to win at often at home, it's, I mean, impressive to say the least. I think that uh, they're comfortable at home, and I think when the team is comfortable, they're efficient. Now I'm not talking about complacent. I'm talking about they're confident and comfortable, and I think that uh, I think they've carried that to many away games. And I think that the more that they dial in, and the more that they know they've got the crowd behind them and the fans behind them, I think that does make them even more efficient. But I do think they're going to play with the chip on their shoulder moving forward when they don't have the luxury of being at home. So I just hope that that kind of efficiency and that kind of confidence carries over. And I believe that it will. Um, and again, can, can we also give a round of applause this year to the Alabama student section and just the Coleman Coliseum atmosphere? I mean, something we hadn't seen. I mean, we saw it two years ago, but this year was insane. I mean, just the hard hats, the they wore all white, they wore all crimson tonight. I mean, just just absolutely insane atmosphere. It makes me even more excited to get this new arena to where the student section is going to be on the floor right by. Uh, the opposing team now, so that's going to be even more like that's going to be even more hostile, if you ask me. So, yeah. Um, but the last thing I would love to talk about before we say good night, 
we had an opportunity to do three things tonight, and we did all three. Clinch the regular season SEC title and the one seed in the SEC tournament next week. Um, to go 15-0 and at home on the year. Great, as always. But my personal favorite is that means that we have swept Auburn this year in football and basketball. So it is, once again, all is right with the world. All is as it should be. The Crimson State reigns supreme. Uh, and I just want to talk about how they acted last year. You know, they swept us last year in basketball. And as all of you know, who are out, who are also Alabama football fans, you knew John Mechie and Jameson Williams brought out the Crimson Crane. For those of you who, who haven't watched the original Karate Kid, go watch it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to educate yourself. So, the, it's pretty much the crane move he does at the end of one of the movies pretty much wins him the whole tournament. So John Mechie and Jameson Williams started doing the Crimson Crane. Well, Auburn tended to mock the Crimson Crane last year in Tuscaloosa and in Auburn. And Bruce Pearl also took to that as well. Very, very unclassy. Um, just classless as always, which I could get into 5,000 reasons I don't like Bruce Pearl. Um, um, just so many things, but that was one of them. So how they acted last year, they had it coming this year. Like there's just some things, you know, with how people act, they just got it coming, Cody. Like you, like you've seen that firsthand too. Like there's some people who act a certain way their whole life or for a long time. And they eventually like you and I have talked about it. It's like that guy had it coming or those people got it coming or it's going to come around to eventually it's going to come back around to them. And sure enough, sure enough, Auburn got it this year, not once, but twice. Yeah. It just goes to show you how discipline and, 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 and having a standard uh, as a university when it comes to athletics overall, it definitely comes around every once in a while. Auburn will get, uh, they'll have a good, they'll have a good performance. Uh, they'll out tough us. They'll out. I'm not even going to say outplay us. It'll just be uh, a one in a 10 shot of something happening that it does. And I'm not going to say it's luck. I'm not going to say it's refs. I'm not going to say it's uh, sometimes Alabama doesn't play well, whether it's basketball or football. Sometimes Alabama is not prepared properly due to uh, leading up strength of schedule. Now, having said all that, consistently the better team wins consistently and I think now that Alabama's basketball team is becoming more consistent with that standard that we've seen that the football program have for a couple of decades now I think uh now that Alabama is adopting that into the basketball program and it is becoming consistent we are going to continue to see the better team consistently win I agree completely and as we round out the show and we get into final thoughts, Wendell Green, you talked all that smack. You think you're something. You came away with nine points on two of ten shooting. Go home. Take the L and absolutely love it because we do. And I got to say, Quinterly and Bradley and Miller and Burnett did a heck of a job guarding him tonight. One of the quicker guards in the SEC, 
shut him down tonight, forced him to take shots he did not want to take. So, always good to clinch the regular season, but definitely it's a little sweeter when you clinch it against your arch rival as well. So, again, just a lot to talk about tonight. This has been a wonderful podcast. Uh, But real quick, before we go into any final thoughts, um, Cody, your final thoughts. Yeah, uh, great finish to this week, uh, what we've seen uh, by the team. It's just about keeping that same energy and maintaining that intensity throughout the rest of the season. I am so excited to see what Alabama does, uh, not only in the SEC tournament, but in the big dance. So let's see what we can get going. Uh, I'm excited about it. You know, gentlemen, as all, ladies and gentlemen, as always, roll tide. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking about talking about it tonight indeed and uh let's not forget uh alabama still has one regular season game left at texas a&m saturday at 11 o'clock uh texas a&m uh coming off a hard uh fault loss uh, against the mississippi state that helped alabama go two games ahead of a&m now three games ahead of a&m uh thus clinching the regular season sec title so i'm thinking alabama can play loose on saturday like not loosely play but they can play there's no pressure on them there's no chance of a tie there's no chance of them not getting a one seed go out there and have fun and I think you're going to see Alabama do just that I mean it's a good Texas A&M team it's going to be a good game to prep us for the SEC tournament because you know if we go 17 and 1 or even 16 and 2 every team in that SEC tournament Bama's is the one seed target on the back instantly I mean we're already in the quarterfinal we play next Friday don't know who we're going to have yet we'll definitely uh, update you on the bracket next Wednesday. But um, it's going to be – we're going to have that target on the back. And, you know, Alabama's got to um, still play with that consistency, still play at a high level, and I think they're going to. Uh, but, again, it's March. Uh, you know, all these other months are for pretenders, and March is for contenders. Uh, it's for champs. And – you know, we've got to keep playing how we have all year. I believe we have one of the best players in America. I believe we have one of the best coaches in America. I believe we have one of the best teams in America. And obviously we've proven that this year. I feel like this is going to be a special year, but we have to take it one game at a time. But then again, as I said, Roll Tide is always happy to be regular season SEC chance for the second time in three years. Um True testament to what Nate Oates has done for this program. Um, he's been incredible. He's the right man for the job. We just signed him to an extension through 2029. He's here to stay. We're building a new arena. He's building something here, and this is insane. So we've never seen Alabama basketball like this since the days of Whips Anderson in the 80s. So with all that being said, good close uh, um, home stand this year. Uh, let's go finish it out on Saturday. You know what? We'll be back here next Wednesday previewing Alabama's um, potential matchup on Friday in the SEC tournament. Of course, if they win the entire thing, they, they will play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we hope the next we'll have an action-packed podcast for you because Cody and I hope to be covering three games and a selection Sunday for Alabama as well so i look forward to that yeah buddy and also just wanted to remind you everybody um just real quick one last thing the um alabama march um 
the Alabama player NCAA tournament bracket that I did last year got a lot of uh, good feedback, a lot of votes, a lot of participation. This year, I'm changing it up just a tad on the page. It will start on Selection Sunday. So two weeks from now, or I'm sorry, a week from this upcoming Sunday, that bracket will be released on the page for your opportunity to vote through polls on the story at the, at the Bama Factor page. And there is going to be two separate brackets of 32 players. There's going to be an offensive bracket and there's going to be a defensive bracket. There will be winners in each and your vote will determine who will move on to the next rounds in between the matchups. I'm going to go ahead and say this for any clarification I know I'm going to get a lot of a lot of comments, a lot of personal messages that says, "Hey, why did why did you not put this player in? Why did you leave out this player? How can you leave out this player?" There have been over 587 players play under Nick Saban at Alabama. These are 32 offensive players and 32 defensive players. I cannot fit in everybody. All right, I'm just fitting in the ones that a couple from last year, a couple new faces. But I will go ahead and say this. Derrick Henry took home the best player of the Nick Saban era last year in the bracket, so he is not in this year's bracket. For those of you who will ask, he is not a part of this year's bracket. So just because he won last year, and the same thing for whoever wins this year will not be a part of next year's bracket on each side of the ball, just so I can make room for new players to come in. So just want to put that out there. That will be on the page. Appreciate your guys' love on the recruiting profiles. They did so good. Thank you for your reposts. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your shares, your likes, your interactions. It blew up. And I got a lot of good feedback from the recruits themselves, sharing it on their story. The follower count went through the roof as well, gaining over about 250 to 300 followers in that span. Thank you guys so much for that. I appreciate it so much. And, again, we appreciate you all listening to the podcast Uh, We've seen that our viewership has gone up this year so far. So we just appreciate you guys in general. And I know from the bottom of my heart and from Cody's that we appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We do. We appreciate y'all. Keep tuning in. Uh, Stay stay in tune with the page as well as your weekly episodes coming at you every uh, uh, technically Thursday morning when they upload. So appreciate y'all. Yeah, appreciate y'all as well. But anyway, y'all have a great night. Your Alabama Crimson Tide, your 2022-23 regular season SEC champs, the number one seed headed to Nashville next Friday. Opponent TBD. Hopefully next Sunday we will be singing the sweet praises of SEC tournament champions and the overall one seed in the NCAA tournament. Everybody, thank you for joining tonight. Good night. God bless. And roll tide.